Hey, this is Five Minutes with Elvin. You're listening to Paradise Lost. Let's recap what we've learned. It is, of course, impossible to talk about the entire work of Paradise Lost in detail within five minutes. Paradise Lost, which runs for almost eleven thousand lines, is first divided into ten books and then into twelve books in its second version. Paradise Lost is known as the only epic in the English world because Beowulf was written in Old English, a language more related to Old Norse than the language modern English is derived from. Paradise Lost, with all the epic conventions in it, is a Christian epic which seems no less exuberant or extravagant than epics. Based on the pantheist Greek mythology, the Bible-based epic focuses especially on the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis. As a result, it is also known as the Baroque Genesis. The theme or purpose of Paradise Lost, as Milton puts it, is to justify the ways of God to man. The ways refer to how God treats humans and the different phases humans have to go through before coming back to paradise, the Garden of Eden. The ways include the creation, or Genesis, disobedience, or the fall, paradise lost, repentance, laboring, blood of Christ. And paradise regained. Namely, God first created humans and gave them free will. With free will, they chose to disobey God. After the disobedience or fall from grace, Adam and Eve lost their paradise, the Garden of Eden. After the fall, human beings need three things before they can come back to paradise. Repentance, laboring in the world, and the catharsis of sins by Christ's blood. With excerpts from Paradise Lost in two groups, mostly from Book Nine and Book Three, we focus on two topics for discussion: the original sin and free will. Group One: the original sin. This is Adam speaking. Since reason not impossibly may meet some specious object by the foe suborned, and fall into deception unaware, and this is reaction from Eve. Go, for thy stay not free, absents thee more. This is this excerpt comes from Book Nine. Uh, lines 360 to 362 and line 372. This excerpt shows how Adam never stops acting as God's mouthpiece and never stops warning Eve the danger of being tempted to do something that disobeys God's will. And the annoyed Eve replies with, "Shut up, go away." 
And when Adam walks away and Eve is left alone, Satan finds the opportunity to talk Eve into eating of the tree of knowledge. Book nine, lines nine hundred four to nine ten. Some cursed fraud of enemy hath beguiled thee, yet unknown, and me with thee hath ruined. For with thee, certain my resolution is to die. How can I live without thee? How forego thy sweet converse and love so dearly joined? To live again in these wild woods forlorn. This is where Eve is tempted by Satan and ate of the tree of knowledge. Adam is first frustrated, and soon consciously and determinedly to follow Eve to do the same, because he wants to be punished with Eve, to disobey God with Eve, and to die with Eve. He makes his point even stronger and more obvious in the following excerpt, Book Nine, lines nine eleven to nine sixteen. Should God create another Eve, and I another rape afford, yet loss of thee would never from my heart. No, no, I feel the link of nature draw me, flesh of flesh. Bone of my bone, thou art, and from thy state, mine never shall be parted. Bliss or woe. Adam makes it more clear than ever. God creates Eve with the rib closest to his heart. Without Eve, the sense of emptiness will always be there, and he will never feel complete. He never wants anyone else because Eve is closest to his heart and is not replaceable. In the case of the original sin, Eve has always been an independent thinker, while Adam always knew what to do and what not to do. And yet, in the most critical moment, Adam, who should have known better, chose the created over the Creator. Adam consciously chooses to disobey God with his free will. In the case of the original sin, Adam is the worst sinner. He chooses Eve over God. But for people who believe in love instead of God, Adam can be a hero of love. Group two, free will, book three, lines one eighteen. To one nineteen plus line ninety nine. For knowledge had no influence on their fault, which had no less proved certain unforeknown, sufficient to have stood, though free to fall. This is God explaining that, omniscient as He is. He would not interfere with human beings' decisions and behaviors. He has given human beings free will; they are free to stand upright as they are free to fall. Book three, lines one o three to one o four. 
not free. What proof could they have given, sincere of true allegiance, constant faith, or love? This is God explaining why it's so important to Him that human beings have free will. The reason is logical and philosophical, not religious, because humans were created free. When they love, it's because they choose to. Not because they are manipulated by God, not because they have no choice, and that is the only way to have true love. If you had the superpower of controlling other people's mind, and you used it to make people like you, you were making people into puppets, and you were loved by puppets who didn't have a mind of their own. But When we know that people around us choose to be our friends or lovers because they want to, it is always a comfort. It is always a comfort to know that, to know that they know, they know there are better people out there. But when they met us, they decided to stop looking, and then they decided to put up with us, and are always there for us. Book three, lines one twenty four to one twenty eight. I formed them free, and free they must remain, till they enthrall themselves. I else must change their nature and revoke the high decree, unchangeable, eternal, which ordained their freedom. For the reason stated above. God created humans free, and He will make sure it stays that way. There is no way for Him to change His mind or such a design of human nature based on free will. This is five minutes with Elvin. I'll see you in class.